Welcome to the Orion Podcast, hosted by Jessa and Laurel of A Stellar Co., a podcast that connects you with the knowledge and resources you need to drive a more conscious form of capitalism. Orion starts now. Hey, Laurel. Hey, Jessa. Who's our guest? We have Nicholas Sandoval from Create Purpose again. Thank you so much for joining us. How do we we know Nicholas, Jessa? Nicholas is a fellow Tory Project alum. He's cohort two. So we... Uh, we're fortunate to be introduced to him through Tory Project and then learn more about Create Purpose and his organization, what he does. And we're just all on board and loved it. And uh, that was, it's crazy because I guess it's been just over a year, but it feels like a lifetime and a good way yeah. as a compliment. So Nicholas, thank you. Oh, and this is your second time as Laurel hinted at um, for our OG fans. Ooh, ooh. Welcome back. And since then, I think you guys have actually visited Tijuana since our, our last talk. Our first see. one. <laughs> see, and if we learned all of the, the language, apparently. <laughs> we went twice. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. And we got to experience. Actually, yeah, that would be. Um, well, Nicholas, I'll let you introduce it. Yeah, I'll let you yeah, yeah, well, I was thinking about our trips, too. I was like, wow, you guys actually had the hands on. We did some really cool things together. We've done yeah. some really cool things together. Um, no, thanks for having. It's such a pleasure. Um, I mean, I love you, ladies. You guys have been, you know, uh, in the heart ever since we met. You guys were on board. I mean, even hosted a fundraiser, you know, I, the days after we met. Um, it's been just really a, a pleasure to know you and to love um, to experience this 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 work of love with you, um, yeah, founder CEO of Create Purpose, um, just uh, trying to like many like you both, and I think like a lot of um, your your listeners, trying to flip the script on on how to make this world a better place. What does it mean to make this world a better place? Um, how do we put a little more love into this world? How do we leave it a little bit better than we found it? All those all those things, you know. I happen to focus, and our organization happens to focus in orphanages um, just south of the border in Tijuana, Mexico, I'm focused on giving them programs, learning programs, opportunities to develop um, a brighter future, if you will. And, um, yeah, just really excited to be here. Um, talking with you ladies. Yay. Great. And yeah, like, I guess, would you, um, even though you're back again, can you explain, give an overview of create purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. how you, or I guess why, what led you to start the organization and a little bit about the work and the programs you guys Mm -hmm. offer? Um, uh, yes, uh, after, you know, almost a decade of, of visiting orphanages in Baja, California, I uh, saw that the vast majority of funding and resources goes to keeping the lights on, um, keeping the children's fed, the, the emergency, the urgency that is right in front of them that always exists. And then being there and consistently going down to orphanages, I realized that, um, I mean, these children are, first of all, they're starting behind the eight ball. Uh, they're, they're through no fault of their own. Um, the trauma they've experienced, the, the environment that they've been raised in, these children are just behind behaviorally, academically, um, physiologically, 
it's it's there's not a lot of hope for for these children and the the support is well-intentioned um and and when we go visit we visit with cakes and ice creams and piñatas and candy and when we think about orphan children we we just sort of really have set the bar low and you know as long as there's a roof over their head and there's clothes on their back um they're good and their bellies fed they're good uh, create purpose after you know taking a look at the majority of the sport that goes down there um realize that no one was really helping in in a more advanced a more developed a, a sort of what's what's beyond the orphanage these children they're they're behind yes they have they're in these vulnerable situations yes but that doesn't mean that they're they're hopeless or helpless and we go there as volunteers and just trying to help with great intentions and with bleeding hearts and um, try to love on them and you know um I, I guess what I what we saw was that it's just not enough. The cake, the candy, the good intentions, it's not enough. What they need is consistency. What they need are programs. What they need are a group of local professionals that are committed to their development to be good citizens. Um, it's not pobrecito, poor baby, poor child. It's, wow, look at the opportunity of this child. And if we were to put some really um, tangible quality resources around this child, what kind of future would this child have? Uh, and that, for Create Purpose as of now, it means we've um, surrounded these children around a technology program is one of our programs where we take a child from learning, you know, how to turn on a computer to getting them to code. Um, we have a beginning and advanced class to where the advanced students who are learned, who have already learned the basic principle of coding are applying that to fix problems around the home, like inventory of their, of their pantry. And so it's really cool how to practice, they're, they're learning how to practically use technology. Um, our other program is our garden-based learning program, which, um, I mean, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it because I didn't want even, I didn't, I'm not a gardener, I'm not a, a, a permaculturist, I, I don't know any of these skills, but what there is a lot of research um, and we've seen personally that there is healing in a garden. There is there when you see a child plant a seed and have the patience and have to collaborate with all other uh, all the other children in the orphanage to to see that seed go from something to be able to harvest it and eaten. It's 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 a challenge, and we've seen, and it's really a beautiful process to see these children. Um, really take take that garden as their own to learn from the garden to to share these experiences that they've had in their garden with other volunteers and with other people with their staff with other children um garden-based learning is really a, a i'm really excited about that program where it's going um, and then our third program is our nutrition program where we teach the caretakers how to better um, better prepare meals more healthy meals for the children that they that they're in their care Yes, we got to be a part of kind of like the nutrition program. We got to go down to one of the orphanages and experience what it means to use our hands and give back. Now, that's different than like orphanage tourism where you go down there and you hold the kids and you take pictures with them and you you flee out of there. And so they're kind of left with this you know, feeling of loss again and again. This was, we went down there 
And we helped organize the pantry, get rid of expired items, like clean everything. It was so satisfying. Oh my gosh. Putting all on the, gloves. All the rat droppings <laughs> were everywhere. I mean, it's, it's crazy. What's yeah. beautiful, Laurel and Jess, I want to tell you that um, that pantry is still immaculate. That pantry is still incredibly clean. Yay, uh, it was almost really cool. a year ago because we went mm-hmm. in December, mm-hmm. right? I'll share, photos. I'll share photos next time I'm there to, and, you know, we can share with you the, the audience. Yeah, and I think with this program that you're doing is part of, I mean, the title of, of this episode is Giving Back Sustainably. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's exactly it. It's like you guys are so thoughtful and how you can get people involved and how you can raise the funds you need to keep these mm-hmm. programs going. And like you said, like we all want to help and you and uh, Create Purposes President Edith really opened our eyes to how this is a problem that you go down, you spend a day with the kids and then that cycle of abandonment starts all over again. And it just brings about like, we have to be so conscious with our actions in so many ways. And, and so going down to do this program was a way for us to give back sustainably. Like you said, it's still clean a year later. Mm-hmm. And when we organized the pantry, Edith, who runs a nutrition program, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like I know she's a nutrition person. Yeah. I'm like, uh, she was giving us guidance. I'm like, Edith, I got this. I know how to organize a pantry. And she said, well, put the nutritious food because there's so many donations coming in. And so it's kind of a mishmash of all sorts of things. She put the nutritious food within arm's reach. So the woman who's preparing the meals, and I think it's like three meals a day, six days Mm -hmm. a week for how Mm -hmm. how many kids? Uh, 30 there. 30? Yeah. I mean, it's just so many. And so she's just like trying to get everything done as fast as she can. And so she's going to grab what's easiest and what's right Mm -hmm. in front of her. And use that to create, you know, her menu. And so when the healthy stuff is right within arm's reach, eye level, it makes it so much easier for that to be incorporated in the food and the meal served. And, and when you say it, it's like, well, duh, of course, but it's not that obvious until you get why when someone points it out. And it's just these things that are so, I don't want to say simple, but they're, they're very easy to implement and to make change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like having the direction and guidance and someone like create purpose to come in and be like, these are ways you can help. Mm-hmm. And that's so interesting. And just because there's always um, these little changes that you can make just to, uh, to make an experience more efficient in anywhere. I think what's, what's special at an orphanage is what work, what might work in your home and my home and 99.99 of homes around the world probably doesn't work in an orphanage. And so I think it's what I think it's finding those little things, those little tips here and there when you've been working in orphanage and specifying in orphanages for so long, like you'll, you're able to, to just make your, your job or their job more effective. I think that's our job is just to make, yeah, just to make the jobs as, as simpler, simple as possible to get these children as ready as possible. Um, but it's, it's certain things like that. I mean, even when we were doing our technology program, we've since talking about um, a sustainable support. We've su- since start a, a, a for purpose um, 
uh, our uh, social business within Free Purpose, our Coding with Purpose program. And our, our Coding with Purpose program, where we're offering coding classes to just the general public, you know, any child living in from 7 to 14 living in the United States or a Spanish-speaking country, the, the learning process for them and the children that we're so accustomed to serving in, a, in an orphanage, oh my God, or night and day, or night and day. We actually even last or over uh, in March started working with um, the migrant centers here in Tijuana. Migration is a complete, uh, it's chaos here in TJ, as you can imagine, here on the border between San, uh, San Diego or United States and Mexico. And even the children that we were coming to uh, across in the migrant center where we served uh, this year was 30, 30 children. They were so much more advanced than the children that we serve. Having that just a, a parent, one parent, even in the chaos of migration, even all that trauma, the children that we serve are consistently just behind. So when we're focused in this area and we can find little nuances, little things like that, like, hey, keep it in armed reach. Uh, the nutritious food with reach, which probably works for every home in America. There's some things that I think are really special that we're coming across. That that's why I mean, just working here is just exciting because you come across uh, uncover these things every day. That's really interesting about the migrant. Um, your observation between the migrant students and the um, students through mm -hmm. the orphanage, and uh, I. I I feel like it's surprising because like you said, I, I mean, just being in, I don't know. I mean, I've just seen on the news. I haven't had like direct interaction, but the immigrants and the, the journey is just seems so intense and arduous and uncertain. And so, like you said, just the importance, the impact it has on these kids just to have at least one parent and the advancement and development is very uh, enlightening. And, well, and let me, I, I think um, what's interesting is that the vast majority of children in the orphanages that we serve in Baja and Tijuana, um, they do have a, a parent, at least one parent alive. I mean, over 85% of these children have at least one parent. They're just um, in jail or on drugs or um, they've had to been removed from parental care, the children that we serve to be in order to be able to put into an orphanage, a casa hogar here in Tijuana. So imagine, I mean, that's just, I couldn't imagine, I mean, I, I would say I couldn't imagine the trauma these children that are in orphanages have undergone. At the same time, I've heard the stories of the trauma that they've undergone. And I mean, it, it would, yeah, you, you couldn't imagine it. Um, and so, yeah, so I understand, yes, migrant children there, um, I know the, the news focuses on it when it's in the news cycle. And absolutely, it's a, an incredible uh, travesty. I think um, they've got a, a they've got a, a step ahead on our children. I think that to have a parent there, it, you know, is a huge advantage. I mean, we're going to do what we can to serve that population too. Um, yeah. Yeah, and with create purpose, and, and kind of going back to when we were able to visit and do mm -hmm. our hands on experience, uh, obviously pre-COVID, I should say, obviously it was pre-COVID and <laughs> we, and you guys were starting to do a kind of a test pilot or like a pilot program. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were testing the model mm -hmm. about having people come down and doing more interacting mm -hmm. 
and getting the experience of your work without mm-hmm. doing the kind of, you know, dog and pony show, if you will, mm-hmm. that people might more traditionally think of. So where are you, is that something you're still doing, you're pursuing? Um, like, was that even like a, for us as like a test program? Like, is that super successful. It, was, it, was, it was super successful um, pilot. It was right, I think, going into COVID maybe a couple of months before. Um, what we, I, what, that was a result of just understanding, going back to sustainable support, understanding the need of generating our own revenue. Um, since the beginning of Create Purpose, yes, we are a 501c3 nonprofit tax deductible in the United States. As of last week, congratulations team, we became a nonprofit in Mexico tax deductible as well. So that after years and years of trying, we finally became a, now we're a binational tax deductible nonprofit. Um, but that really, the, the, the trips, yeah, we need to make our own money. It was a really cool thing to be able to bring people to accept people down. Um, like you said, not to do the whole dog and pony, not to do the orphan tourism thing, but really to give back in a, in a, in a meaningful way. Uh, obviously when COVID hit, we had to really take a, um, a hard turn. That's what I'm really excited and proud of our team because we, we were very flexible and instead we pulled the, uh, sort of the reins back on our, what were they called? Um, our create purpose experiences. And we started coding with purpose. This um, the program that I just mentioned, where now our virtual classes that we've been teaching, that we've been perfecting for the last three and a half years with the children that we serve, now we're able to go into you know a child anywhere, a child anywhere in the world via Zoom and via you know our um, technology platform and our partner uh, of Logic School that we use and. And be able to teach any child around the world or, you know, in our languages how to code. And so I think it's, um, yes, it was successful. Yes, we really liked and appreciated showing you guys and showing people what we are, who we are, what we do, what we're about. You, um, you guys get, got to meet a few people, uh, members of the team. And we have still sort of sporadically taken people, brought people down because we have to show donors and we have to show friends what we do. Um, it, but it's more, um, it's very safe in these, uh, it's, you know, as, um, uh, as uh, yeah, it's very limited, I'll say, these days. Um, but our focus, talking about sustainable support, is building a social business, whether that's trips, whether that's um, coding with purpose, which we're really, start, it's really starting to, um, you know, take form and take shape. You can, the old ways of nonprofit, a 501c3 living are just dead. They're just, if you're expecting, it's funny, I, um, when I first started Create Purpose, I was at a convention and one of the ladies was talking about uh, diversifying, um, diversifying the, uh, her funding and for, for this nonprofit and was talking about the diversification of funding and getting local, state and federal grants. And I've seen that across multiple nonprofits. When they think about funding, they think in terms of grants. Um, you know, I think it's, it's very important when you start anything. I mean, especially a 501c3, you have to generate your own funds. And at Create Purpose, at least, we're going to scratch and claw until we learn how to make a dollar that are aligned, that's aligned with our values and our programs. Cool. Did that answer your question? I think that answers your question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
Um, no, yeah, I think you did. It sounds, no, yeah, you, it sounds like you're still on a very limited basis able to take select people down to visit. I think, I think what I really, we're, we're really looking forward to once, um, COVID lifts, once travel restrictions lift, um, we've gotten really good at, uh, hosting VIPs to Valle de Guadalupe. Um, so it's, uh, and if you don't know Valle de Guadalupe, it's a beautiful, um, wine country in Baja, California. It's an hour and a half South of the border. And so it's an opportunity to say, um, we'll stop by the orphanage. We will. And we, they see our garden, they talk to the director, they'll do a home tour. Um, but we sort of set the expectation. You probably won't see a child. Um, you're definitely not going to talk to a child. Uh, it's, you're here there to see our work. You're there, there to sort of, um, proof of what we're doing. And, um, and, and let's have fun. You know, it's, it's not, we're, and we're still figuring out um, how we can better incorporate, you know, um, looking to a, in, uh, getting an inside look at our programs, uh, which saying that um, is why we're really excited for November 19th. <laughs> because so we why are you more... excited for November 19th? <laughs> what is November 19th? November 19th sounds like an important date. We are right down November nineteenth. November nineteenth. Uh, it's our it's our sixth anniversary virtual event. Um, any and it's it's virtual. So anytime we've had an event before, it's been really hard to. I mean, it's about the event and it's fundraising, but like the the program becomes about fundraising and it becomes about hey, how are we going to uh, you know get money at this event. And it was very hard, especially us being in Mexico and working with orphanages to bring our programs, to bring our, especially the recipients of our programs to Pasadena, to San Diego, to Southern California to like, hey guys, let me show you the children that we work with, the direct, the orphanages that we work with. What's really cool about November 19th and this, uh, our sixth anniversary virtual event is for the first time, we're able to show you our programs instead of all the work leading up to um, coordinating the logistics of, a, of an in-person event, all the work has gone into showing you and best giving you the, our audience a, rep, a good representation of our technology program, of our garden-based learning program, of our nutrition program, and of our, and of our, our psychology program, which um, you know, is, is in development and will continue to be, always be developed. But that's why we're really excited because you, you'll get to see it. And like never have you anyone ever seen our program. No, I mean, you have to come down normally to Tijuana to meet our team. And so this is really special. Um, we're really looking forward to, to sharing with everyone, uh, you know, who Create Purpose is and what we do and specifically how we impact and how we're different. Yes. I'll, I'll add from experience for different because I grew up in a community where volunteerism was a crucial part of your um, childhood growth and, you know, becoming a productive civil servant and member of society. And the, the volunteerism that I usually did was fundraising events where like, you know, families like me that looked like me from the same background as me would just get in a room with just each other and just spend a bunch of money on things and stuff. And what's different about Create Purpose is, is getting my hands involved in 
actual meaningful, long lasting work and programs where, you know, I'm not made uncomfortable by connecting with an orphan child that I'm just never going to see again, because that breaks my heart as much, you know, almost as much as it breaks theirs. And then that experience, that personal experience, the feeling that I got, I'm really excited to see how that's going to translate into your virtual event because of exactly what you said. There's so many people involved in so many stories and so many programs are going to come through at this virtual event. So we get to see, create purpose from all these different angles and be more involved. And I'm, I'm so grateful because I feel like that's the evolution of nonprofits. As you said, the old way of nonprofits isn't going to work anymore. So we're elevating our level of consciousness through hands-on work. And when we can't do it hands-on because of COVID, we're going to do incredible storytelling so that you feel like you're there. So Jessa popped up on the screen, purchase tickets, get your tickets so that you can be a part of this personal experience. That's going to stick. Createpurpose.org is where you can go. First of all, support create purpose in general and purchase tickets for the event. A plug for those uh, audio listeners. (laughs) You said said that um, we do need to get better at storytelling. It's, it's the, you, you hit the nail on the head and this is sort of our first stab at it. Um, But you, that's the, that's, that's the part. It's, it's the storytelling versus the program Um, because there's the balance of that. And it's been interesting. I told you guys last time at the very, when Create Purpose just started, you know, six years ago now, it was, the focus was on Instagram and Facebook and marketing and storytelling. And nine months after we started, we were still focused on that, those same things. And we had no program. And so we took a hard stop on all the marketing and all the storytelling. And over the last, I'd say, five years, just did a hard focus on programs, hyper-focused on programs and program development, um, now getting into M&E and measuring and evaluation and just I- indicators and these, these super cool organizational, like we're going to be around for a whole heck of a long time metrics. And it's been so interesting now coming back to storytelling and just figuring it out again and figuring it out. Okay. What's because, uh, but they've tied our hands to a lot of things and they handcuffed us um, on storytelling because these children are words of the state can't show their face, can't tell their story. Can't. And so we're having to be creative. Um, and you know, with it, that's the easy part, I guess, to the, to get creative with backs of heads and hands and, you know, um, and voiceovers, um, but to be able to tell that story, and I mean, that's for that's what's interesting is now it's for any nonprofit, for any social business, for any organization. It's like where it's it's that equilibrium between storytelling and product and service has to just be you know the the exact same as what we've learned. Well, I I want to I want to applaud you because you're talking about from the beginnings and growth, and you went away from traditional marketing. And you focus on heavy program development, which is where the meaningful, long-lasting change can really happen. The, the real hearty soup of the organization. 
and, and as part of your growth, you've added on these experts and these teammates. Can you tell us a little bit about like the, the last story that I remember that stuck with me was this nutritional program because the wellness of an individual has significant impact on their health and well-being in the future and their quality of life. And so you've, as a leader in the organization, taken it on to find the expert to drill down into the details. Tell us about the experts in your nutritional program as well as your psychological programs. Uh, it's so it's so interesting because how can you talk about learning programs when you're not with the, and you're and you're the focus is a child with an empty stomach like how they we're talking about development programs for a child who's hungry like that doesn't you can't even get into that um, when you, even when you think about Maslow's pyramids of, of needs and and I mean you've got to make sure that they're well fed and it's interesting being in orphanages because you have two um, different spectrums you have the the orphanages that are consistently visited by americans their pantries are completely full um of candy and chocolates and 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 also beans and i mean canned salmon and you guys saw it um and all these random you know costco united states things and then you have the other side where i mean it's you know dinner time on a wednesday and they're having uh you know cereal or oatmeal um, cause that's what, that's what there is. And that's what they had, you know, maybe that's their only meal of the day. Um, so there's really do two different spectrums. I think what, what's, uh, interesting about our, our nutrition program and why our nutrition program is, is now scaling and has seen, um, a lot of effectiveness is because we have to talk to both of them. I mean, an orphanage, you, it's the, the spread is so, um, the range of, of, um, economics is so, so varied that we need to talk to on the health of the child who, okay, if all you have is beans and rice or an oatmeal, um, they're so used to putting, you know, a bowl of beans and then putting a bunch of lard and butter, you know, lard in it. Just that's culturally, that's how you make beans. And so there's just very simple things that you, we can talk about, okay, you don't have all the resources. Um, but let's take a look at the resources that you do have and let's find better options. And then it's going with also at the same time with uh, with the other side of the spectrum. Um, you're getting a lot of visits. You have a full pantry. It's not hard for you to get um, uh, food. Maybe be specific and ask for fruits and vegetables because they it's don or directors of orphanages are almost nervous to tell donors what to give them in in fear that they're oh if I tell you we we want this instead of this you won't give us anything. And what we're, um, what we're I'm not training or teaching, we're just, you know, sharing, I guess, you know, that, that we want to help or people who are ever coming, who are coming and visiting, they want, they do have the best of intentions. They do have the, the greatest of hearts. And if you tell them, hey, can you give me um, uh, apples instead of fruit roll-ups? Like they're going to give you apples instead of fruit roll-ups happily. And so it's just changing some, um, some culture within orphanages, some changing, just, you know, just little tiny steps. Uh, and our, our um, experts are so great. You talked about Edith um, being the president and also, you know, runs our nutrition program, um, figuring out and really shifting during the pandemic, how to take our program virtual before the big sell was um, they used to go to the culinary arts school. It was very 
very attractive and you have orphanage chefs learning, learning from chefs, orphanage staff learning from, you know, or uh, chefs at the culinary art school, how to prepare these incredible meals. And so it was a three day, really, you know, great course. Well, we can't do that anymore. So it's been really great. Edith and she runs a really great team at Create Purpose and the nutrition program and a lot of really great nutritionists. Um, and yeah, how do we take this virtual? How do we take this virtual so that it works for everybody? But then also design home visits where, okay, here's the big, here's the big themes. Now let's individualize it for all the orphanages that we serve. Um, so it's, you know, a little bit of virtual plus in-home, which our team, whether the, um, and all our team, our, our program, uh, our programs coordinator that works with our tech department, our tech program, they had to do the same thing. Our nutrition program, we had to learn how to go virtual. Our psychology program had to, had to go virtual. I think, um, Laurel, you talked about um, the, the expertise more than anything of our, of our uh, coordinators, of the directors of our programs. I think where, what, um, if anything, if what I can really uh, press home is, yes, the expertise, ours are all incredible, all incredible. What's as important as them being experts is them being local. So many times we try and change the world from the comfort of our own home and we're trying to change the world on the other side of the planet or on the other side of the border, on, the other, on another city or another. And those are great. Um, I've seen so many people want to use their expertise to change populations. I want to go in and volunteer. I want to be used. Use me. Um, great. But also <laughs> never forget in the back of your head that there's always... You're go something's gonna come up, your tire's gonna go flat, you're you're gonna get married, um, you're gonna have you're gonna have a the a cousin celebration on the same day you're supposed to. stuff happens, life happens. It's always better to make sure, at least for us, and I would imagine every nonprofit would would encourage you to do the same thing. If you're thinking about volunteering your skills, if you can't sign off that you're gonna consistently be there. Think about how you can provide resources that someone who can, a local professional, a local expert, can give those resources in a more, I guess, sustainable way. That's a really interesting kind of paradigm shift for, for me is like, okay, um, there are there's sort of a com complexity for me getting mm -hmm. to Baja. Even though it's mm -hmm. just a stone's throw away, mm -hmm. and I love going to Mexico. I mean, I have to, I have to cross the world's mm -hmm. busiest border crossing and drive mm -hmm. or get a ride. And so even if I, I have the best of intentions, like you said, life happens, so I might not be able to be present and show up. But there are local people that mm -hmm. can show up. So, so your recommendation is to ask, how can I support those local people who can consistently show up for their community? And then this, the second big takeaway I heard earlier was a nod to our previous podcast about we as Americans often think I, I might know what, what they need, but I don't know. Like I might think I'm doing good by giving canned beans. Maybe that's not what they need. So one like practical tip for our listeners is to literally ask. ask ask what they need because I am a willing giver and, and I'll give you what I'll give you apples mm -hmm. if that's what you want. Mm -hmm. Thank you for clarifying that. Cause those are, those are 
big paradigm shifts, I think. Well, it's interesting because we're so used to, and not incorrectly either, we're so used to wanting to see the impact of our dollar. I want to see where it goes. I need to see where, but we want to see that now because we've been so beat up by nonprofits stealing our money and not knowing where it goes. We've been so beat up on this dollar that I've given you. I have no idea where it goes. And I come to find like just nonprofits have a bad taste. They leave a bad taste in your mouth. And so it's, so it's interesting and I get it at the same time, we're trying to fix like core issues, social issues. And especially when it's, when we're talking about learning programs and just in specifically for create purpose learning programs, man, to see impact, that's going to take years. That's going to take years. And you want, so I think when we're talking about sustainable support, um, there's a few things that you really want to, to be very mindful of um, whether, okay, we found out, okay, I want to, I want to give my time. I want to give my services. Okay. I can't, I rather give, um, resources so that some local can, you want to donate. You've already found out you want to donate. How can you donate to make sure that um, it's sustainable? How can you make sure that it's going to the right place? And we've already talked about um, uh, locals. I think the local part is a, is a huge piece. Um, asking, I think it's so important, um, the teach to fish element. I mean, I think it's so important to stop giving people things and stuff and I'm, I, my favorite, you know, uh, my favorite, uh, I guess, story is that you, you give a man officially for a day, you teach a man officially for a lifetime. I mean, and if we just did that, if we just only had that at the, you know, the forefront of our mind every time we were to give, I think we would, we would really move the needle on how we're affecting the world. Um, because right now we're not. Right now, I mean, uh, we've been giving you know, so much money to cancer research and we're not moving the needle. We've been giving so much money to homelessness. We're not moving the needle so much money to poverty and we're not moving the needle is because we're just giving fish. We're giving fish and we keep on giving fish and expecting us to get them to learn how to fish when they don't need to. And, and I think not only uh, the giving the fish part, but what I what, what's really cool in 2020, the the new sort of um, evolution of create purpose, knowing that we've always needed to get here, is the measuring of that fish. Okay, now I've taught you to fish. How good are you fishing? Is there better ways to teach you how to fish better? Or there, can I get you to fish more effectively? Now, how do I get you to fish when I'm you know via a Zoom call? Um, and so it's just really we're we're really excited on the evolution, especially when when you talk about sustainability. Um, there's so many facets of it, but you can keep going. I mean, we're here for it, <laughs> but I think too, I mean, everything you're saying, I'm just sitting here thinking like that's sustainable, that's sustainable, that has purpose. And it's so spot on, like even just talking about the people, you know, donating their time. And I think people, we just naturally, like you said, we want to have an impact. We want to see the impact of our actions and it's the instant gratification, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's which is like such part of our culture now, but it's not sustainable. Like what is for me like a hobby or I have some extra time. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a, a passion project or mm-hmm. interest. Mm-hmm. When there's people on the other side relying on you for mm-hmm. the operations, mm-hmm. that's when, again, it's the 
the helping, not helping mindset. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have these good, pure intentions, mm-hmm. but you're not, a, you're not applying like the conscious and like awareness and the purpose behind it. Well, I shouldn't say that you're probably putting purpose behind it, but I think the awareness aspect well, absolutely. is absolutely. I think you just actually gave me, I'm going to have to play with some messaging, but we're trying to change the world through our hobbies. Like that's not going to, that, that doesn't fly, you know, and so thing. And what was interesting is kind of going back, circling back to the, the laurel and the ask. Um, I say that, and I think it's super important to, yes, ask the populations that, and then I, and then the back of my mind, I think of orphanages and I think of all these, these vulnerable populations who are, who are, living day to day who always have this urgent need right in front of them. I think the, the real cool thing about working with locals and asking sometimes when we go into these orphanages, they don't know what they need. Not even that they don't know what they need. They do know what they need. And it's the emergency that's right in front of them. So it's working with them to define their needs and not to say like, I think the I think the my growth as um, as a leader in the organization has all I've, I started the organization with no no fish no fish like we're giving fish and we need to stop giving <laughs> fish no stuff I even gave the the, the, the TED talk and like anti stuff was like my my moniker no and. I'm realizing how so important that stuff is. That stuff keeps the lights on. That stuff is is and not even important for for the child because yes, it's definitely important for the child. But the giving of the stuff is that's how I got here to understand how much more is needed. It's we all go through our own process and giving that stuff was my process to get here. So I think I'm learning like, okay, that stuff is so important. So important. I gave 10 years of stuff and that thankful, thank, uh, thankful for those 10 years of stuff. Now I'm able to give the rest of my life in just an evolved state of stuff. Right. But God, like, I'm just grateful that, that I guess, so yes, the stuff is important. Sometimes they don't know what that stuff is that they really need. And I think with a local expert is like, Hey, Yes, you need this, but let's think about just stuff that uh, highly, just more advanced stuff, I guess. This all reminds me kind of what Laurel and I do at a Stellar Co. is that we don't go in and tell people what they need. Mm-hmm. We kind of we guide them mm-hmm. is what we say. I mean, they mm-hmm. usually know what the goals they know. Again, they're doing what's right in front of them. Mm-hmm. The email with the red X. Exclamation and all mm-hmm. bold and caps and mm-hmm. whatever's right there, but it's not the long term. The long term mm-hmm. things that are really going to drive change are what gets pushed aside. And so I mm-hmm. think it's a little parallel with what you're talking about when you go in and you work with the directors and the staff and talk to them about their needs and are able to kind of help, mm-hmm. you know, keep the eye on the long term and to not veer off course. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, when you're dealing with children and orphans in these situations there are going to be emergencies and things are going to come yeah. up. And so I think having, you know, these programs that create purpose are, you're just making such an impactful change mm-hmm. and bringing them resources that they probably don't have time to even like seek out outside of just the day-to-day operations. Mm-hmm. And I think what's been, um, 
key this over this last year. Uh, we just came out of the USAID Institutional Strengthening Program, and really, uh, we built chaos into our program. Like we, and so that's what that's what's really cool is knowing that stuff's going to come up. All these things, all this stuff's going to come up. Whatever happens in an orphanage. And how do you sort of, and this is for any nonprofit, this is like sort of, or organization, sort of like building loss into, you know, your, your brick and mortar store is how do, okay, how do we systematize, you know, Jose going to the hospital, you know, and how do we, so I think it's, it's a process. It's a process. Well, I had, as you were talking about this and like, asking what they need and for both sides to ask, do you ever put like create a wish list? Like I'm thinking like Amazon, like these are things we need. You can buy it. Is that, does that we work? Haven't, for we, we haven't created a, we haven't created a wish list because it's really, um, it's <laughs> what we need is computers and money. <laughs> so it's, it's not, our program is very, it, we've kept it very efficient. Like we, we need routers, Wi-Fi, and teachers. All the rest, like all our didactical, like teaching information, I mean, we create, you know, we, it's, it's, we, we've made our program super cost effective. Um, so we're really excited about that. It's, but it does require, you know, professionals to, to implement. So. Put those links up for the Dells. Put the links. <laughs> you want to help? <laughs> this is exactly what we need. Is this computer? <laughs> no, actually, actually, that's a, um, that's the note. That's the note. Amazon. Amazon. Well, and I was thinking there's a nonprofit here that I work with, and it's um, it's different, but it's with animals, and and same thing. I think they get a lot of stuff people are donating mm-hmm. to to help, and they're like, "Thank you," because they just see in the comments like, "But we really need these things." <laughs> so. I was thinking about them because Laurel and I actually contributed. We do a beneficiary um, mm-hmm. each quarter. We do three beneficiaries and um, quarterly we rolled it into our business model mm-hmm. um, for our top line revenue to donate 1% to people, 1% to profit, 1% to planet. Laurel has a better pitch about it than I do, but oh, good. Okay. <laughs> and so one of, anyway, one of these was for this, um, you know, this animal organization and, um, they, it's like a, it's a dog rescue, the animal pad. We love them. I foster dogs with them and they come down, they get their dogs from Ensenada and, um, anyway, them. Yeah. you know them, I love them. Mm-hmm. And so on, we went and they just had this Amazon list. Like, these are the things we need. And it was like, great. And so we bought it instead of me going and being like, here's a bunch of, you know, I don't know, dog food that dogs don't like, but. I, I was thinking about that approach. It was really great to just have them outline. And then I think as a personal aspect, I'm like, oh, I gave, you know, like 60 cans of puppy food and 20 mm-hmm. pounds of dog food. And so it was mm-hmm. like that connection of like, oh, I helped mm-hmm. and this is how I helped. Well, that's that's the job of a storyteller, right? And um, that's the job. I think that's... Um that same that same thing that I know we're not great at right now, um, but it's our job. It's it's our communication team's job 
And right now, um, when I say communication teams, uh, you know, you're looking at them. Uh, but no, that's not true. That's not true because after the event, we have a lot of people coming on that are going to help with communication. So we're really grateful. Um, November 19th, remember that event. November, uh, what? <laughs> November, November 19th. November 19th. Uh, yeah. But no, that's the job. That's the job of a communica- our communications team is to really define, to make it, um, you know what you're giving to, you know, this dollar goes to X amount of hours for this child who will learn this. And because you did this, I'm going to send you, you know, emails for the next six months about the journey that that child's gone through in his orphanage or in our coding program. Or so it's very um, relational. That's storytelling. And, and so Right now, I'm finally, uh, I'm finally comfortable with being able to tell a story, and yeah, I mean, yeah, just being able to tell a story. Before we didn't know who we were. Before we didn't our programs, we didn't know the impact specifically that our programs were having on this child. Now we do. We didn't know. We didn't know. Okay, that garden. What's the plan with that garden? Or, we have the plan. We know the plan. It's just when when you've hyper focused on program, you're able to more confidently tell your story. And can you let us know? So you were on Orion about a year ago, mm-hmm. and we have seen you guys grow so much in the mm-hmm. last year. And just I just follow you on social media. Mm-hmm. And that's all I do. And uh, you know, occasionally get to talk to you once in a while, but. I was just wondering, like, can you explain and like put in just like some words and like, I know you guys have won grants and have taken on new orphanages for your programs. Can you explain like the growth you've had in just the last year? Um, Yeah, we went from serving 70 or in 2019, we went from 70, uh, serving 75 children to in 2020, we're, uh, we'll serve over a thousand. Um, (laughs) Yeah, 20 in 2021. We just got funding to serve over 2,000. Our goal is to serve over 2,500 children in 2021. Um, we, it's, it's processes, procedures, systematization. I didn't even know the word systematization when, when we, I was on the last Orion podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's the difference between going, being a startup and being an organization. It's, it's these processes and procedures that no matter what happens in any program or product or service, you have a procedure and a process to, to resolve it, to find the outcome, to, to get towards its end. Um, that, well, think, tell me. Nicholas, I think for our listeners, a key strategy there is in your name purpose like you started with a purpose and a vision and a culture and exactly what you weren't going to do and you were very clear around that core culture of create purpose and then you tested things and then you systematized some people launch a business or a nonprofit with that have systematized before they've gotten super clear on the vision and the culture and i, I want to applaud you for starting off on the right foot, nurturing that culture, staying focused yet flexible, that growth, mm-hmm. well, not traditional like business growth, but that reach, that impact that you're having mm-hmm. from 75 to mm-hmm. almost reaching your goal of 2,500 mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. that's blowing my mind mm-hmm. how quickly you did that. 
mm-hmm. and with such a great team. I'm just, mm-hmm. I, I just want to sit with that. That is amazing. Congratulations. No, thank you. It's, uh, I mean, it is the team, you know, it, it is the team. It's been incredible. It's, it's, but it's, it's culture trumps everything. Right. Hey, Tori, shout out. Dr. Gustavo. Um, and so it, it's funny because we, we know that. So how are we cultivating culture within our organizations? What does that mean? How are we, I think that's an onboarding. I think completely culture starts with the onboarding of your customer and your team. Sadly, the onboarding of our customer, we don't have yet. That's storytelling. That's, that's where we're, you know, we're getting there, our donations as we, as we get, you know, a communications person, a marketer, that will get better. But what we are great at is the onboarding of our team because that's culture. That onboarding of our team when they get here, whether you're a volunteer or whether, uh, you know, uh, or, uh, or a staff, you're going to go through an onboarding process where you'll learn our values and everything that we do is based on our values. You're going to learn the vision. You're going to learn the mission. You're going to learn every single program, who we are, what we say to the, to the hex code of our font, you know? And so I think it's very important that like you, we, we know it, we know it's all about culture. And so we, yeah, it's just been sticking to the vision and yes, stuff comes up and chaos arises and you have to be flexible and change program or product or service consistently always stay nimble but that vision and those values and that mission has to be crystal clear and we got crystal clear on that vision like from the from jump street um and it helped us but you know there's been some really we've been in some really great programs to help us define that mission and define those values to even more and once you have once now that they're crystal clear it's been really easy to build this culture and to to really grow around it um i'll give a quick plug for one of our friends nathan Nathan. young at the new narrative (laughs) he uh (laughs) he focuses on storytelling for nonprofits. And so he has a lot of programs and he's been in the Orion guest and we worked with him. So um, just a little mm-hmm. shout out as we're talking about mm-hmm. storytelling for nonprofits. And as you're talking about culture and starting on onboarding, um, it, that is so true. I was reading a statistic, a statistic that I don't remember, but it was impactful, whatever it was, it was significant, saying about how that's where you start retention basically with, Mm -hmm. because I was, I always thought that, Oh, it's the recruiting process or the interview process. Like that's where you can make mistakes. And then, then after that, I learned, no, where it's so critical is the onboarding process. Mm -hmm. And that's for any business, any organization. Um, It's so once you hire them, you have to be like you said, like have these systems and really integrate them into the culture and, you know, the core values, like this is how we do things here. We don't do that here. And mm-hmm. all the things that, you know, we've all talked about in Tory Project. And we just have a few minutes left, but I wanted to ask, um, you know, like it sounds like you said systemization has allowed you to have this exponential growth. Mm-hmm. And what, like, how did you learn about this, the systemization? Like what spurred it? Um, we we just uh, came out of an institutional or uh, what was it called um, institutional strengthening from USAID, and that was really I mean it's, 
really a lot of places from right from you know day one on this nonprofit CEO journey. It's been a learning experience, and so you understand very quickly that you need processes. You and you have no idea how to build them, what that even means, and and then you learn it a little bit here, and then you learn a bit a little bit here, and then you learn a bit a little, little bit here. But I think what really took us over the edge was the institutional um, strengthening program at USAID. Uh, the Tory project was actually really great to to start. That was the first time when I had felt um, really worthy, worthy of being a CEO and worthy of sitting, you know, hey, I, we, we did start this. I did start this. Yeah, I wasn't ready. I didn't have any of the the, the tools and, you know, underprepared and overworked. And But hey, so are all you guys. <laughs> no one knows what we're doing. We're all just figuring it out. And then you get better and then you get better. Um so I think it was, I think uh, it was a little bit of that. Wait, I don't even know if I answered your question. Well, it sounds like the, <laughs> the institutional, the US aid was really the catalyst oh, for yeah. like, that's the, like where you learned about the more like the application and maybe options of like the systems and the importance. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, it was really, um, what was really big. The two things I will uh, to tell about the story, the Tory project were, um, the onboarding was was important for us, but CPR, CPR has stuck with me for the longest. Communications, priorities, and roles and responsibilities, and that being the main pain point of Fortune 100 companies. They were for someone measured Fortune 100 companies. They're like, hey, what's your what's your biggest pain point? Majority of them, all of them said three things in some way, shape or form, communications, priorities and roles and responsibilities. And so what we've done really well to be able to work on this culture, to be able to work on, you know, being able to expand quickly was as they onboard, we make sure that you know how to communicate with us. We have gotten so great at communication using, you know, a, really we've used Trello and Slack. Um, and it's been it's been incredible because now we know exactly what's going on throughout all the departments. We know and everyone right when they come in, they have this sort of this expectation that, hey, we communicate really well in this organization. So get ready. And so that's really been um, a shout out to the Tory for really changing the way that we communicate as an organization and has set the stage for us to grow. Like how if we had a million children in our program. And we had we were you know fundraising raising a hundred million dollars a year. Could what had to change? Like you have to think of your system as though that's your your impact. And there were a lot of things that we had to change, and we took took a look at a lot of systems. We're we're still changing a lot of them, um, but yeah, it was really the, that that communication process. Thank you. I don't. Was CPR in the Tory project? Who was? What's his name? I must have oh, not been listening very well that day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was uh, like, I've never heard that before. Mm -hmm. And then you're saying, oh, the Tory project. I was yeah. like, oh. It was one Saturday. That was, oh. uh -huh. Yeah, it was a Saturday. Those were long days. Those were long days. <laughs> well, thank you for reminding me of it. And um, yeah, thanks for discussing that. I think that was really helpful and applicable to anybody in a, a I would say it's a key takeaway, but we're right at time. So oh. we could do our three-point landing and three key takeaways, and you okay. can put in whatever you want. There's a I'm, lot of nuggets. I'm, in I'm ready this time. Last time I wasn't ready for the three takeaways. This time I, I, I have uh, – I'm, I'm a little more prepared. Um, 
the first one is obviously, I think, just kind of aligned with what we were talking about. Think about uh, where and how you give. Just be super conscious about where you're giving, how you're giving. Um, are you giving a sandwich or are you, or are you teaching someone how to make bread? You know, it's, it's, the difference is stark. Um, please just evolve your thinking on how and where you give. Um, the second one is, uh, just to give, to give, to start in any fashion, any way, shape or form. Uh, if you're, if it's not a part of your, your nature, change that. It's, it changes you. It's incredible to give it. It fires off all these endorphins and um, chemically in your brain. It's just proven scientifically that it's better to give than to receive. So just give and do yourself a favor. Um, and the third, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't share with you, uh, November 19th. We're really excited because, like I said, it's our first opportunity to share our impact with you so that you can see our programs um, the whole team, we have 53 uh, people working at Create Purpose now, and everyone took just even a small percentage of their time to to make sure that we did our best and we were successful at putting our best foot forward on showing our programs to you on. Um, this is our expose. So get your tickets on November 19th. I think the links are somewhere in here, and I'll make sure that they're where, wherever um, this is posted, that the links are there as well. Um yeah, we really want to make it a successful event. Uh, the goal is $20,000 to to really be able to grow to two more orphanages um, to impact, to have our impact of four orphanages in specifically our technology program to expand our uh, technology program to four orphanages, uh, over 100 children with just that program. Uh, we're really excited. And thank you so much, Laurel and Jessa. Thank you so much, Stellar Co., for, for having me. Um, it's been always a pleasure to talk to you and see your beautiful faces. Thank you so much. CreatePurpose.org for our listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll have you again. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> All right. Send it, Jessa. Thanks for listening. And visit astellar.co. That's A-S-T-E-L-L-A-R dot C-O for reference materials from the podcast and to connect with Jessa and Laurel. Foxhole Studios specializes in audio production and can work remotely to meet your audiovisual needs whether you live in San Diego or not. Getting a podcast started? Contact the team at info at foxholestudios.com for any and all inquiries.